Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are in episode 29 of Steady Focused. I'm super excited because this is a powerful episode with a man that I respect a great deal. And this is the first time we've had someone return to the show. Roll back the clock and episode seven, Mr. Clay Cook came on and now he is back and I got him on. And Clay, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Simeon. It's, uh, oh, it's awesome yeah. to be back. We were talking a little bit before the show started, and uh, what is today? National what day? <laughs> <laughs> today is National Bourbon Day. So as you know, in Kentucky, bourbon is a huge deal. Uh, so, so today I'm celebrating with uh, one of my favorite cocktails. It's a uh, old-fashioned. So. Oh, man. And I'll just, uh, Clay, like I said, I'm going to celebrate National Bourbon Day as soon as we finish this conversation <laughs> myself. Do it, do it. <laughs> well, guys, um, ever, to all the listeners, this is part one in a four-part mini-series that we're doing on world travel. And I'm so excited to talk with Clay today because he has just returned recently from Iraq. And Clay, I want to read something. And then I, I'm just going to stop talking, and I want you to, to just let it flow, whatever comes out of your soul, okay? Cool. cool. Yeah. So I was researching, getting ready for this, getting inspired, and I, re I, I ran across something that you wrote, and it goes something like this. I strive to inspire others to be fearless and tenacious, but this was different. Over a month... I fought a hard emotional battle, an inner struggle of unease. I traveled to Iraq in the heart of the ISIS stronghold, and due to safety, I couldn't tell a soul. Yeah, <laughs> so that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, I was offered this this gig uh, about, I would say it's been about a month, month ago. Um, it was right around the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, here in Kentucky, the Derby is a huge deal. And, you know, we prepare for the Kentucky Derby for a long time, for um, several months. And I actually got the word about this trip um, right over the weekend. And it was something that, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, um, I know about it. Um, but I didn't truly, really, truly didn't think about it until after the Kentucky Derby. And then it really hit, it really hit hard. It really, hit home into something that was real, um, the opportunity to go to Iraq. And, you know, of course, everything that comes with a trip is normal, is, is usually excitement. It's usually just like a lot of like uh, anticipation. And, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, I can't wait to go on this trip. I can't wait to experience this amazing, um, amazing trip and whatnot. But uh, again, like I said, like you said, it, it, this one was a lot different just because attached was a lot of danger and um you know the middle east is sort of um obscured by terrorist organizations it's very a lot of misunderstood religions and a baseless government and of course civil war so uh i think as americans we have this sort of preconception and um idea of what the middle east is and it's usually just uh war you know and I think that uh, for me, when I found out about the trip, I was just overwhelmed with uh, just all sorts of thoughts of, uh, you know, I had to 
take the ultimate risk, um, which was, which was death. And I had to risk everything for photography. Um, so, you know, some questions I asked myself was like, Hey, is this going to open doors that I don't want? Or how will people react? How will tell my family? Am I willing to risk my life for photography? And so these were a lot of questions that I asked myself. So it was definitely an inner battle that I struggled with for, um, for a, a couple of weeks until I made the decision to go. Um, and the decision was an educated decision based on a number of parameters and multiple conference calls and conference calls with security and conference calls with all sorts of people that, you know, sort of settled, settled my mind to make the decision to go. Um, but it was a huge opportunity for not only myself, but also, um, the companies that we were partnering with, which was mm -hmm. Natus Films and Unseen and Shy Fund. And it wasn't really focused on war. Um, I think that a lot of people go into Iraq and that's their first focus is their, the first focus is war. It's, it's war photojournalism and it's, it's covering, you know, um, all this ISIS stuff and covering Mosul and covering Syria and whatnot and all the, the war torn, um, you know, all the, the, all yeah, the war the battles, stuff that's yeah, going on sure. over there. But our focus was really the aftermath of war. And it was in cities and areas that had already been devastated by ISIS and devastated by um, the invasion of war. And so um, it was a great opportunity and a great opportunity to help people. It was all grant based. Um, we partnered with a number of companies, a number of people to make sure that we traveled into this area as safe as possible. But it was it was a very uh, long month of May that wow. uh, and it finally you know resulted in me making the decision to go. But yeah, it was a, it was a definitely an inner battle. It's 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 fear. You know, I think that fear is definitely something that uh, controls everything in our life. Um, you know, we all hit a moment in our life where we kind of feel that wave of anxiety, panic and dread. And, yeah. um, I think that at the end of the day, the, the really the only true remedy is yourself. So it was so uh, something you, I had to overcome and something I had to just take on. And yeah. I also educate, you know, so I teach people how to face fear every day. And so uh, it was important that I did the project. And, and so the end goal was document, the aftermath of war and so were you guys was it a a lot of uh, video as well as photography and and how are you going to put out what you captured what how what would be the like the packaging on it yeah so basically um it's a partnership between myself and natus films natus films is a um is a company that um creates uh stories that make a difference basically is their motto they basically are a film company that a uh, documentary brand that goes into these third world countries or goes into these um sort of war-torn areas and builds documentaries builds projects and builds uh stories uh and tells stories about people that are suffering or people that need help and then once we tell that story um, other companies such as unseen take this content and then build, um, marketing materials to, um, build a donor base and to gain grants and gain, um, investments from people that want to help. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're helping people, we're saving lives and we're doing it through creativity. And so, uh, what our end goal with this was to document, 
um, this family who was basically trying to rebuild after ISIS uh, in a city called Kirikosh. And, okay. um, and Kirikosh is a city right outside of Mosul, where, as you might know, Mosul is basically a war zone right now. They're still, uh, you know, fiending off the military movement of ISIS. And so Kirikosh had been liberated from Kirikosh. Uh, sorry, ISIS had been el- eliminated from Kirikosh. And our responsibility for this documentary was to uh, basically uh, build content and tell these people's story of rebuilding after the war. And wow. um, the end product will be both my my portion is still photography and portraits. Okay. Okay. And then Natus Films builds a documentary as well as promotional uh, video to uh, to help build these marketing materials and tell these people's stories. What was the setup like that you used? I know, and we're going to get into this in a little bit. You had you've just recently put out a new course with F Stoppers, talking about off camera flash and and yeah. really letting people behind the scenes into your workflow. And so now you're doing a jumping into, like you were saying, a photojournalism type of a vibe. Um, yeah, talk about what, what was in your kit, including backgrounds or whatever you brought. You know, I, I truly respect photojournalists and what they do. And so for me, I, I believe that it's important to be versatile as a photographer. And so when I had the opportunity to start doing more photojournalism, it sort of changed my style in the editorial space. Um, I I really started incorporating more organic material and more organics into my overall uh, style of photography. So I think that photojournalism really brought a sort of a new mindset to how I approach a fashion uh, editorial spread or how I approach portraits or anything else. And so super important. But um, with that said, uh, our, our gear for this was very low profile. Um, you know, I, we had to be very low profile and no matter what trip we take, um, whether it's Africa or, uh, India or Nepal or, um, or the Middle East, uh, we have to be very low profile because people, um, sometimes get the wrong impression from press. They think that you're trying to exploit, um, exploit them a lot. So, okay. Um, especially in Iraq, we had to be very low profile. So Canon jumped on board and they partnered with us on this project and we, they provided us with Mark fours across the board. And so the film crew filmed with all Mark fours. And then I took over a Mark four as well. I had one lens that's a 24 to 72, eight Canon lens. There you go. And, um, it was a very super, like I said, very super low profile, um, camera that, People certain, you know, they can't take it the wrong way. They don't feel like it's um, uh, overbearing or it's not like a massive production level or it's nothing that's going to make money off them. And I think yes. that as soon as you sort of introduce those big cameras and those big, that's sort of that big production value into these trips, um, it's not going to get what, uh, you know, I think you want. So... Um, being low profile is super important, and especially in the Middle East, and especially in a war zone area such as Iraq. And so it was all natural lighting, no, no artificial at all. No. So the portraits that we did, um, we did do portraits, and this was uh, a very interesting setup because our intention was to originally just carry on through the plane, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had to bring strobes. I had to, I had to bring some sort of like um, some way to light these portraits um, yes. just with carry on only. Yes. And so what we landed on was I just brought over my Canon um, speed light and yep. I brought over a 33 inch pro photo umbrella with a diffusion on it. Okay. And I binder clipped all that together and it was like super small. I think the umbrella folded down to about 12 inches. And then I wow. had a me photo uh, walkabout air monopod. It's a brand new monopod that just came out and okay. that was 13 inches. And so this whole setup was super low profile and uh, very low fro- uh, footprint. And um, we could carry this all this gear on. And it's not very questionable either. You know, it's not okay. really um, something that's like looks high production or doesn't look like it's expensive. So okay. um, that was like very important. So I did use artificial lighting and I did use off camera flash, but I just used a Canon speed light. And yeah. at the end of the day, it worked out perfectly. I think as a matter of fact, I might use this sort of same setup on future trips because it is so low profile and easy to set up. And um, it's not as intimidating as something like a big pro photo D1 or something that's uh, looks more high production. So. Yeah. So just to make sure I'm, I, I want to see your setup in my eyes. So you have the monopod is your stand that you have your flash attached to. Correct. And then you've got an umbrella mm-hmm. on there. And then you on the bottom of or you didn't call it an umbrella. You call it an octobox. No, it's an umbrella or, and it's okay, basically it is. a reflective umbrella. So it's a white umbrella where the Canon speed light actually flashes into the umbrella. Okay. And then I cover the umbrella with a diffusion panel, very much like uh, the Fotex soft lighter or right. uh, sort of the normal um, soft lights I use. Um, okay. Yep. It's, it's a reflective umbrella. And then um, basically the light shoots into the umbrella and reflects out through diffusion. So it's a bounced light. So it's the softest light possible. And, um, even though it's a small modifier, uh, it still produces a significantly softer light than say an octobox or, uh, something where the light is shooting through or straight onto the subject. So it's still bounced light. It's, it's super soft and naturally be just because of the size um, it's, it's very low profile. So, uh, the monopod, all that does is provide a way that I can have an assistant hold the light. Okay. And so it's a very similar setup to what I've used on Kilimanjaro and Africa and India and Cuba and all these other, uh, adventures I've sort of been on. So, so was there this moment where you had, while you're in Iraq, you're there in the country and you have just total fear come over you. Does that ever happen while during this experience? That's a really good question. I've had that a couple of times that people ask me like, was there a moment of just absolute fright? And the only time, uh, you know, we were, we were embedded with, um, uh, the Assyrian people. So it's uh, the religious minority. So it is Christian. It is Yazidis. Um, so we are with the minorities because most of Iraq is Shia Muslim or Sunni Muslim. Um, but we are with the Assyrian, which is the Christian village. We are embedded within this militia, basically. So I felt very protected and safe the whole time. Um, the only time where I felt unsafe was when we had a lot of militia with us. 
because at that point we sort of looked like a high profile sort of client or high profile. We needed security. Yes. Um, that I felt sort of unsafe when we had a lot of people with us, um, which was only like one day. And then beyond that, there was an evening where we were doing time lapses in herbal Iraq, which was, it's about an hour outside of Mosul where is where we stayed. We were on the rooftops of herbal doing time lapses and, you know, the U S military is pretty prevalent there. Um, okay. And so we were on the rooftop shooting time lapses and there's special or, uh, special forces helicopters basically circling around us, sort of seeing what we were doing. Uh-huh. And so the, it's funny because the only time I really truly felt afraid was from the U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't shoot me, guys, from, with the camera. From our it's own military force, actually. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it's very, it's very threatening. It feels very, you know, it's very scary when you have a Apache helicopter circling, kind of curious of what you're doing, and and then we're pointing a camera at them. Um, mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they don't they, they don't know that we're there. So it's uh, well, maybe they do. I mean, we did have to register with the U.S. State Department, but um, I, I doubt it. You know, I, yeah. I don't. You know, so they're saying, what the hell are these guys doing on this roof, on this roof? And yeah. uh, and so they were circling around. They did about two passes and then they went on to the airport and they were doing it looked like they were doing exercises or something because they would take off and then exit and take off again and there was we saw several choppers a day several u.s military oh choppers gosh. a day just circling or uh you know doing whatever so well because herbal was oh, yeah. um sorry herbal was where we were staying and the herbal airport is actually where is a u.s military base so okay. it's a u.s controlled airport and so a lot of the U.S. military is stationed in herbal Iraq. So, it's maybe easy for the mind to go to worst case scenario. What was the highlight of the trip? For me, the moment that stuck in my mind. You know, we were photographing and capturing these people that were persecuted, that have been persecuted, and people that have been basically thrown out of their houses. Uh, their son's daughters turned into sex slaves, their sons turned into suicide bombers. Like a lot, these people are extremely oppressed. And for me, the moment that sort of stuck in my mind from the entire trip was the moment when these, this entire family was returning to their home and they had never seen their home in two and a half years. Oh my God. They hadn't been in their home in two and a half years and they didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know what ISIS had done to it. Um, they didn't know anything. And so these people returned to their home and we were sort of flies on the wall. And it was a very, very powerful moment. It was very somber. It was very sad. Um, there was a lot of tears. Um, there was a lot of uh, emotions that were had from this entire family. And oh my uh, gosh. it was a very somber moment to, to sort of experience that with them. And so you was, have this the, was this the family that you're you're are, are the kind of the protagonist of your story or is this a different family? 
Yeah, it's the same. So our okay. focus was one family that was returning to Karakash uh, yeah. after ISIS had been liberated. So ISIS was done. They had been totally liberated. For the most part, there were okay. a couple of sleeper cells and things to be wary of. But for the most part, the military movement of ISIS had been liber liberated from Karakash. And so they were one of, I believe, 20 families that okay. had returned to Karakash. Um, out of 70,000 families. Oh my gosh. So Kirikosh was basically a ghost town. I mean, there was, no one was there. And so this family had, uh, you know, they were really going out on a limb as far as uh, safety to return to their homes. Oh my gosh. And it was, um, and it was just absolutely, I'll never forget it. You know, it was very, very somber moment. It was something, um, that I was honored to capture. So, my goodness, I cannot um, wait to. I mean, I see a visual in my mind because uh, you're very descriptive. I'm, and it's like you know, it's a. I'm excited to see it, but I am reluctant to see it because I know what that family, or, or I can imagine what they went through, in order for you to be able to take that picture. You know, so. Yeah, a so, lot of these families, they, you know, um, they struggle, uh, you know, they've been through significant trauma. Um, and that was one thing that we had to be very sensitive. Um, yes. I've never, you know, in all the projects and all the third world countries and all the people we've photographed and all the people we've met in all these countries, I don't think we've ever had to be so sensitive to the fact of the trauma of mm. what these people have experienced. Um, you know, many of their close family members have been killed or worse, uh, tortured, beheaded, um, sex slaves, suicide bombers, things of that nature. Um, so it was a very sensitive, very touchy subject and we had to treat it with the utmost respect. And mm. it was hard. It was hard because here we are, um, you know, a four man crew with, what they feel like are big cameras in their face nonstop. Yes. And so we had to be very sensitive to that and very uh, touchy to making sure that we are more flies on the wall and not sort of interrupting the emotional battle that they were, that they were struggling through. Um, mm -hmm. And many of them suffer from um, PTSD and, yes. um, and post-war sort of just trauma. And it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough, but they were very gracious with us. They were very accommodating. Um, and you know, we were the company that we were partnering with was giving them a grant to rebuild. So okay. they were, they were very gracious with us and open and welcoming to, uh, with open arms to, to letting us film and document them as they journeyed back into Kirikosh. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us clay we're we're excited yeah. to uh, see this i know you're talking we're going to be seeing uh, more stories more writing and and images are going to be coming out on your blog how yes. how can people you know find stay in touch with this story as it develops so as it develops um within the next few weeks um and it might already be out by the time this podcast comes out but i'll be releasing a full blog post on the entire journey um you know, detailed experience of what we kind of went through, the preparation, the security, everything. Um, a lot of dates, locations, names, things of that nature has to be changed due to security reasons. But mm -hmm. um, 
but you know, I detailed, I, you know, I've, I have my blog written and it's very detailed and all the photos will be coming out very soon. The documentary and the promotional film will be coming out in the fall. Okay. Um, but you know, if you follow me, clay cook.com, or you follow me, uh, at clay cook photo on Instagram and Facebook, um, all this details and all the, uh, the blog and everything will be coming out, uh, you know, between, uh, now in the next few weeks and then in the fall. So, mm. well, if I'm, I'm just going to keep talking to you, Clay, if you got to leave, yeah, leave. Uh, speaking of the internet and going a complete 180, but Hey, it, it, this is the world we live in. You have an amazing new course that is out on F stoppers. Yes, of course, sir. this is a photography community that is uh, educational, teach you guys, you know, whatever you, you want to learn. F-Stoppers is excellent. And you've been with them for quite a while. And now, you know, I, I follow you. I enjoy reading and, and watching what you're doing. And I regularly see people are asking you, oh, my gosh, Clay, how did you do that? How did you do that? Well, guess what? Here it is. Clay pulls the curtain back and there's this course. Yeah, so I think the last time, I don't know if the last time we talked, I was working on it or it had been shot already, but um, but we spent, I probably spent two years working on this with F-Stoppers. Um, so, you know, it goes back to me starting as a writer for F-Stoppers in 2014, I believe. And um, over the years, you know, um, I've been blessed with you know, blessed to work with a lot of great people and a lot of great clients. And, um, and I've, I've worked really hard to, um, build a community and, and, and build really solid, strong education. And F Stoppers, F Stoppers offer, offered the, uh, opportunity to do a tutorial with them. And we worked on it for a long time. And over the period of two months, uh, it was both in Louisville and in Charleston, we filmed a full-blown photography tutorial on everything I do. Um, you know, it goes from pre-production, production, lighting, uh, posing, um, you know, into business, into retouching, into marketing, and everything in between that. Um, it's, it's everything I do, and we packaged it into one tutorial that's available on fstoppers.com to download. Um, and it's available now. So it's, it's a great thing that, um, we put together and I've been wanting to do it for a long time and F stoppers. I was just so happy to do it with them because I really owe a lot to F stoppers and owe a lot of my success in the photography community to F stoppers. And so, um, I was really blessed to be able to do it with them and build this tutorial with them and, and promote it through them. And, uh, and it'd be a really great edu educational resource for a lot of photographers. And yeah, Clay, so not only are you bringing all of this incredible knowledge and the walkthrough, but the production value is just, it's berserk, man. It's as good as anything out there. Yeah, you know, like we spent so long on it and, and luckily the F-Stoppers guys, they had done it before. Um, I will say that it was the hardest thing I've ever done in the educational market before. Um, okay. You know, like I've done a lot of workshops, I've done a lot of speaking engagements, I've done a lot of uh, lectures, and I've taught at colleges, and I've done a lot of great, cool stuff uh, in the educational world. But this tutorial was so difficult 
because it, you know, you've got cameras on you and there's no teleprompter, you know, you're just Mm -hmm. going with it. And then you've got three cameras on you at all times. It's almost like you're on a reality TV show to to (laughs) a certain extent. And then you have to like intelligently speak and intelligently say what's in your head. Okay. Sometimes for somebody, especially like me, that's, um, you know, so, uh, you know, philosophically based, um, I'm very, uh, about mood rather than technical. I'm not okay. analytical. I'm more, I'm more like throw a light up and let's see what it looks like. Yes. And you know, for, for, you know, people that are watching the tutorial, that doesn't work. I just can't mm-hmm. throw a light up. I have to explain why. And so yes. with every sort of section, every sort of sentence I had really, there was a why. Why do you do this? Why do you, why did you choose to do that? Why did you choose this modifier? Why did you choose this light? Why did you choose this lens? Why did you, you know, everything mm. broke down into such a technical sort of found, you know, sort of technical world that yeah. it was difficult for me. It was really hard, but I think, uh, luckily they, like I said, they knew what they were doing and they put it all together into something that I'm really proud of and something that I think they're proud of. I know they're proud of. And, yes. um, it's been a great success so far, you know? Yeah, I've, I mean, the reviews I've been seeing, I've been seeing people who have got the course and they're commenting on your social feeds. And uh, yeah, I, it's high on my list. For Absolutely, it is. Fantastic. And Clay, just reminder, when people want to buy that course, where do they get it at? Yeah, so if they go to fstoppers.com slash store, forward mm-hmm. slash store, fstoppers.com forward slash store. Um, they can check out, it's called Clay Cook's Fashion Editorial Portrait Photography uh, mm. Tutorial. And it's available for download, instant download. Um, and it's 11 and a half hours of 100% educational content. We provide all the raw images of what we're shooting. Um, all the retouching is explained. We provide a ton of bonus materials and better yet, we provide access to a private Facebook group where um, I have oversight. And so I look into this Facebook group every single day. And if there's any questions, any sort of even personal questions, I answer. And I'm very in tune with this Facebook group. So it's almost a personalized mentorship that you also get with the tutorial. So it's a great investment for any photographer. I mean, come on that. (laughs) Yes, yes. And yes. Wow. That's exciting, man. So cool. Clay, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Is there anything else that's on your mind? Something that anything else you want to say? No, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this Iraq project. It was, uh, it was something that was, it was a big monumental task for me. You know, I did the Kilimanjaro thing last year and that was huge. That was life changing. But this Iraq thing was, was something that really focused more on the fear side. Um, Kilimanjaro didn't really, I wasn't really scared of it per se. Um, but this Iraq project was a huge deal for me. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it and, and and, and better yet, I I would like to spread the word about shy fund and unseen and uh, people that are doing really great groundwork for people in disaster areas such as Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and, and Iraq and, uh, and Afghanistan. So these people are really doing a lot of great work that, 
um, a lot of people are too too scared to do. Um, even the big the big guys like UNICEF and World Health Organization and UN and everybody. So these people on the ground are really making strides to change people's lives and change people's lives and save lives. And um, and so I'm glad to talk to you about it today. So and and if people want to dive in more to those companies, what one more time say the names and if you got a website, hit us with yes. that. Otherwise, we can Google them. Yeah, so if you go to uh, natusfilms.org uh, or unseen.org or shyfund, that's S-H-A-I fund, F-U-N-D.org, um, all these organizations are doing fantastic work to s- tell stories, to uh, market to donors, and to basically help real rebuild people's lives that are in disaster areas such as this war-torn country such as Iraq, um, Syria, Iran, Afghanistan, Jordan, and Egypt. So they're doing really great work, and uh, I was I was honored to be a part of it. Wow! And we'll link up everything, all all the the equipment and all the links and everything that uh, Clay has mentioned throughout this episode. We're going to link all that up, and you guys can check that. It's going to be steady focused slash twenty nine. So Clay, you're the man. You're an inspiration, and. Uh, I'm excited that we got you back on the show, and I'm excited to keep in touch with you as as we both develop along this journey of life, my man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me back. Uh, it's, yeah. it's awesome to chat, and I hope to do it again sometime yes. soon, sooner Amen. than later. There we go. So I am going to go celebrate National Bourbon Day. You've got a jump start on me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody, keep tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, I'm your number one, Simeon Hendricks, and this is Steady Focused.